You are listening to the Lifetonic Podcast, your resource for intentional living and personal growth. This podcast is designed to inspire you to be your most glowingly brilliant self. I am your host, Joanna O, and I'm grateful for you joining me on this journey where we explore the many nuances of what it means to thrive in our bodies and minds. I will be joined by inspiring leaders, healers, visionaries, creators, and disruptors in every sense of the word. With each episode, we will aim to challenge opinions, ask questions, and unpack the topics around intentional living that you are most curious about. Hello, my beautiful people, and oh my God, it feels incredible to be back in front of the microphone and actually announcing season three of the Lifetime Podcast. I don't think I've ever taken such a long break up until now, but what a mad year it has been. I cannot wait to to share more with you. I cannot wait to catch up with you. It actually feels surreal to be sitting here and finally getting to record. There is so much that I want to tell you, like you would share with a friend that you haven't seen in a really long time, but just the same, very much the same as that. You sit in front of a friend you haven't seen for a very long time, and it feels like there was never an interruption and there was never a break. So hopefully it will feel the same for you. The last episode we did was, I believe, episode 12 of season two with my lovely friend Francesca, the author of Self-Care for Life in the City. This was in April, in April this year. So I actually recorded the episode with her in March, I believe. And that was the month I also lost my grandfather which was probably the first time I was ever hit by loss in such an unexpected way. But more on that later. Today is the day before my birthday. So I thought it was a little bit symbolic if I actually sit and do this today and upload this episode tonight without any announcement, without any prompt. Actually, um, today also marks almost three months. Um, Actually, it does mark three months since I left my corporate job. I'd considered doing this for several months, but was mainly, I guess, held back by the same thing that anyone, you know, would be held back by uncertainty and insecurity of what would I be without this title, without this part of me that I've built and identified with for X amount of time. And if there's one thing, the things that I'll talk about more in this episode have taught me, it's that being well mentally and physically and thriving in a way that you can only create for yourself is the most important thing. Just full stop, this is the most important thing. And during my awakening, one of the key realizations was that I wasn't happy being defined by this particular environment. And I'm not going to go into too much detail about this, even though today is actually officially the day I'm no longer an employee of this place. It was a place for me where I came to realize unhealed people were around me, driven by values that I did not identify with. And although I loved so much about the particular work I did, it was such a kind of difficult separation, I guess. It was the context in which I did it that caused me to come to a place of realization that this was not it and the chronic stress that ensued, which I found myself under it. 
it just made me suffer. And I've talked about this in previous podcast episodes. And like I said, I'm not going to go into too much detail about this. But I don't think I ever realized attachment from the environment will be so critical to my healing in this area of my life. The healing of the beliefs that I started holding about myself that I held for a very long time, actually, in a professional sense, further only accentuated by the pandemic and being able to actually take a step back and think, what is it that is really important to me in my work, in my interactions? Am I am I finding this here? And we've seen what people describe as the big, the mass resignation. And I do believe it's because more and more people are awakening to these questions and listening within, ultimately making the decision to act from a place of inner knowing rather than, I don't know, I mean, societal pressure and expectations of what it is that you should be doing. It's easy, I think, to... It's been so easy for so many people to sit back and wait for things to get back to normal. And I've talked about this a lot on social media. So many of us have done this, you know, living conditionally to a virtual space and time that only really exists in our minds instead of planning how we can reach our goals. Given these new circumstances, I think so So many of us romanticized and dreamed about what this normal would be like. And for a lot of people that was returning to work, for a lot of people, it was going back to these old ways of like pushing, pushing, pushing. And I understand why this has been the case. I think I've done a lot of thought about this, this big paradigm shift that we've witnessed and we're still witnessing is to some degree, we've lacked guidance and advice on how to address so many unknowns and so many uncertainties that have been, quite frankly, occupying our minds for the past two years that have been part of our narrative for the past two years, such as coping with isolation. You know, how do we unpack all these feelings that we hold of our own isolation, dealing with our own loneliness And developing actually this positive psychological response to anxiety, to fear, to depression that may have resulted from isolation. And that's because at least that's a part of the reason why I think the mental and spiritual factors, unfortunately, don't always neatly fall into the the secular materialistic frame of thinking in our society because self-improvement is often or more often than not encouraged if we're better performers right you know companies will do that as like a checklist um we're just going to offer you know the the self-care the mental awareness mental health awareness all that stuff so that you can perform better at your job but not actually addressing you know we still do lack addressing of those very fundamental core issues that a lot of us, I think, have been carrying around, you know, a lot of this trauma um, on top of everything we've experienced. And it hasn't been unpacked, um, let's say. So I think it came for a lot of people to a point where when we said we wanted to go back to that normal, we asked ourselves the question, what aspect of this normal am I bringing with me? You know, does this serve my growth and are these requests that I have about normal, these ideas that I hold about what's normal, are they in alignment with the possibility of being in the truest expression of my potential? So I don't want to put 
a downer on this reunion that we're having here over on the podcast. Um, but I want to talk about, you know, where I've been and sort of the things and the themes I've been navigating over the past few months that actually are fundamentally to some degree a reason that I haven't been podcasting and I've been sharing content very sparingly on social media. I, like I said, lost my grandfather. And when I saw my granddad who passed a few months back um, before all the travel restrictions, I actually knew at the time. And I know you say that in hindsight and maybe it makes sense now, but I definitely had this knowing at the time when I saw him for the last time that it would be the last time. And I I had this sense of, I guess my heart felt quite at peace with the idea. And although I was shook by the loss, I think I held this idea in my heart when I last saw him that it might be the last time. So it was a very, very strange feeling to navigate. I mean, that's the only way to explain it. It was strange because in hindsight, I think this person too could feel this. And so my memory of him as actually a really happy one because I could see this contentment of 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 a soul within her knowing that the time may come when they separate from their earthly body. And it just took away from that fear, you know, that agony sometimes as as you're nearing the end of your life, I think. So I traveled to see my family right after his passing. And around the same time, my mother's dad, one of the brightest lights of my life, was admitted into hospital. None of this is COVID related, by the way. Both both of them were not COVID related. And he was released a few days before I had to come back to London. So I managed to see him at home doing well, the happiest he had been despite being in pain in his body. And just for context, this person played one of the biggest roles in my life as a as a father figure when I was younger. And suddenly I saw him that day after his release from hospital as this joyful, witty man full of comebacks. And his energy was just calm. And again, I'm talking about the sense of knowing, but there was a sense of knowing in his voice. It's hard to explain, but he talked about his near-death experience in the hospital. He talked about symbols, things he saw during and after he woke up. And this is coming from a man, you know, just for context again, of no belief and a complete, what I would describe a skeptic his whole life. He talked about suddenly being accessing a different plane um, about seeing white birds on his window ledge almost every day. He just had this life about him, this kind of life, but also this calm um, presence. Um, It's very, very hard to contextualize, but um, that was basically our last interaction. And very sadly, he passed away on the day of my sister's 18th birthday, which was a few days after we last saw him at, at this point. It happened almost overnight and he was gone. And I think if my voice sounds a little bit mechanical now, it's because I've actually had to write this down prior to recording. I've had to write down notes and bullet points about what it was that I wanted to talk about because every single time still to this day, and I I guess it's still very, very fresh, but I start thinking or talking about it out of context and emotion just takes over and I I find it very hard to, to talk about it. 
so this kind of just helps me um this way i'm talking about it just helps me i guess process it and actually share so it did happen almost overnight and he was gone just like that i walked around in confusion for days you know because this the loss had completely crushed me and i felt him so strongly with me at that time at the the day before his passing because i found out he was actually not doing very well um the day the day before um and the day after that he passed away but the day i found out he wasn't doing so well and it was a very quick 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 um deterioration of his state i again had this sense of knowing i knew that he was going to go and i suffered from the realization i felt the pain in my entire body and i knew i knew that he he was he was going to go and i felt him at that time so strongly with me i thought about the things he had said and i wondered if you know i had so much skepticism myself i wondered if his mind had been playing tricks on him and whether what he saw was him you know in delusion whether what we saw was also him in delusion from not having recovered from his near death experience i don't know i asked you know i was there just asking for validation just anything just a sign that all of this made sense and i think when things like that happen often your brain really does latch on to things like that and you latch on to whatever it is that feels like it could help you contextualize that it could help you put things in perspective to make sense of the situation that you're going through uh, it's a very strange thing that i think your brain does when you're experiencing trauma it will completely detach you from the feeling so i felt that's the best way to explain it. i felt detached from the feeling of even starting to share about my grief when i eventually um did on instagram and when i did it it felt so empowering and it it really took a long time to unpack grief with myself with my relatives my living relatives i had never felt simultaneously more connected to them to my ancestors um i'd never felt this connection i think to the to the to something greater than me greater than any of us and in hindsight this inner knowing i realized was his soul's knowing knowing that this is that he is infinite that it is infinite that although there was to be an end to our existence in this physical life form there was an inner sense of peace and a grace before you transition and this is my way that i've kind of used i guess to contextualize what i went through and it's made me consider this importance and the importance we attach to the physical body but how empowering it can be to know that the soul lives on and that it fills everything around us with love and that it has this infinite like i said again the infinite aspect of it the possibility to manifest itself time and time again 
and we have, I think, so much resistance. And I did a, a brilliant episode with um, the amazing tree car on, it was actually a two-part episode that we recorded. And again, the timing of that was incredibly weird. If we go back and listen um, to those two-part episodes we did about grief and death and her talking about her experience as a death doula uh, was really, really soul shaking in a way. And then I shared something on social media about grief, also referencing the episode um, around that same time when I lost, around the loss of my, my grandfather, my first loss. And we really did unpack this idea of how much resistance we hold and fear we have towards the subject of death and around unpacking the feelings that around that are around loss, that arise with loss. And if you have to uh, lost someone this year, I suppose. I hope that within this loss, you have found healing and support and compassion wherever you need it in your journey. Um, the best thing I can say is that it's a process. And that's the thing about grief and bereavement is that the best way to do it is your own way. That is, is only your way. I learned so much from grieving two people in such a short space of time. And it was like its own awakening to things in life that previously seemed so mundane. I think that a lot of them just suddenly gained this new meaning and started carrying a different level of complexity as you're navigating your everyday and requiring this different kind of attention and effort. And I was so frustrated for the longest time that people wouldn't understand this part of me my pain. And even more so, I hated the idea of people seeing these parts of me that I didn't want to be seen. And I think that's a big reason why I steered off social media for so long before I was actually able to open up and and share. And fear is a big part of grief because it's literally life showing you the worst outcome materialized during a time like that. And it, it takes a lot of strength, even for someone very spiritual like me, to trust in the concept that a person can exist still within your current life story, even without being present, that this person still shapes your experience and that it has a purpose, that all of this has a purpose. And I went through a period of tremendous spiritual doubt, don't get me wrong. I reached for rituals that felt familiar and uplifting and still things would set me off and I'd, I'd feel stupid to do things in light of what had happened. And it just felt very, very irrational. But a funny control thing happens, as with most things, I think, according to, you know, the universal law. It's when you surrender, it's then that you finally start feeling this shift. And then I started realizing, hold on, I am morphing into the stronger me. And it's then that I began listening for these higher messages, for the message that was, you know, open your heart, even past the pain. Don't close it off from fear of further pain. Even if you don't have the insurance that it won't happen again, don't close your heart. And it's around that same time that I began having open conversations with both of them, both of my grandparents. They appeared in my dreams regularly with messages, with clues, with guidance that helped me in everyday situations. So this brings me to the next thing 
with which I'll conclude this whole chapter of this episode. But I'm a big believer that the universe serves you up the challenges that you need in order to access the next level of your conscious growth. And the least expected thing happened about three months later after all this, I lost my biological father. It was one of the strangest sensations I've ever experienced. It was this random day, I believe it was a Monday, and I was just crying for no reason in the morning. As soon as I woke up, I just felt incredibly just sad and like my body just didn't belong, like it wasn't mine anymore. And I was later on that morning convulsing, like unable to breathe for several hours. My partner like wasn't sure what was going on. And the following day we found out my father had had a heart attack while having lunch on holiday the day before. So the day I felt really terrible. And the reason I say this is because this taught me a lot about what I ended up actually researching a lot and reading up a lot about energetic attachments. And even though I hadn't been in touch with them for many years, I still felt this immense shift, what I could only describe as like an energetic shift that literally affected me physically. Um, It's been very strange grieving basically a distant parent, a distant parent, an estranged parent. And it kind of offered a whole set of feelings to unpack. And it brought about, I suppose, a call to heal parts of me that I think had lived beneath the surface of my consciousness for a very, very big part of my life. A lot of this is something that I'm still working through as his passing effectively reopened a lot of wounds that had become apparent in my own healing journey to date. Um, Big, big themes I had acted out of for a long time, a lot of conditioning that I had lived my life through and that I was healing. And when this happened, it had to do with this one relationship that I had to realize I'd never get closure on. And that we had, in a way, both been robbed of, at least in this lifetime. And so things like my abandonment wound, the guilt and feeling of not being enough, enough to have been in his life in a way I had imagined, this also made me feel like I didn't deserve to grieve. Like, you know, grieving an estranged parent, um, even though he had another child who I've now actually managed to develop an amazing relationship with it felt not right for me to grieve this parent. Like, you know, you weren't there. You didn't know this person for the last X amount of years. What gives you the right to feel that level of emotion as much as as much as his family, you know, as much as the people who were there? So I think to sum it up before I get like too deep into this, it's needless to say that a big theme of what I believe has to do with my Saturn return was reevaluating my relationship with the male figures in my life. But simultaneously also, it helped me heal a lot of relationships within the blood lineage in my family and actually uncover a lot of karmic lessons that were sort of permeating through the female side of my family. So the female lineage, and we actually 
have been able to have these conversations where, you know, we said we've lost all these men that represented different things for all of us. We've been able to, you know, pinpoint and I've done this exercise for myself where I've been able to draw out a portrait almost of what each of these people represented for me in terms of um, male figures in my life. And the lesson really lies in a lot of ways, ties back to healing the feminine, actually healing the feminine lineage, the feminine energy within our family and being given this opening almost by those men to uncover that, to be there for each other, to be extremely strong. It's, it's made me kind of open, I guess, conversations with the the women in my family in a way that probably we would have never been prompted to do. And I, because I mentioned Saturn return, we will get onto the topic of Saturn return inevitably, because as you know, we say Saturn is a cosmic rite of passage and it helps you advance into your next stage of adulthood. And I think a lot of these things that I touched on have to do with that for a lot of people, at least the people that I've spoken to in light of all these events. So at the ages of approximately 28, 59 and 89, Saturn returns to the degree it occupied when you were born, which instigates a new cycle of what is also referred to as your initiation into adulthood. Now, Saturn is a planet that we can see with the naked eye. It's the last planet, actually, that we can do this for. And over the course of 28 years, it circles and it influences every part of our chart from every possible angle so that the chart potentially gradually acquires this form and substance under the influence of Saturn. Uh, we say that almost at seven-year intervals, although it takes Saturn 28 years to complete hit the, the cycle, it takes um, seven years. In seven-year intervals, we basically get to grasp some of this experience. And the experience itself gets challenged. And you're also offered the chance to grow in one or several aspects of this configuration or whatever Saturn is actually prompting you to work on in that at that particular point in time. So between your 27th and your 29th year, something happens, which Adele, who has recently um, spoken about this ahead of her new album and after six years away from the limelight, having experienced her Saturn return, I believe she has an amazing tattoo of Saturn actually um, on her arm now um, as a dedication, as a nod to her Saturn return and how much it kind of rocked her life um, as she describes it she said it was something that makes you lose the plot rocks your life and makes you ask those big questions like who am I what do I want to do what makes me happy all those things and I'll take the opportunity to share something very positive now um, because we'll talk about planets a little bit towards the end of the episode and I don't want you to go away from this episode thinking that this was an episode about grief and and so on I got engaged in June this year um, on the most amazing trip to Ibiza. My partner proposed to me and it was just such a shock and it was so unexpected. And of course, on top of everything that we had been through, um, I just wasn't expecting that. I said yes, because there I say my partner is my twin flame and having gone through so much in life um, terms together, 
but also just coming together into this relationship in a way we each propelled one another. That's the best way to describe it. We propelled one another into this tremendous growth spiritually and emotionally. And we have a relationship that I think enabled so much healing to take place that we each did for ourselves and so much expansion in order for us to experience this love that you will only know if you felt with the twin flame that grows every day. And I wake up every day thinking how blessed I am to have this amazing man who loves me unconditionally, supports me in so many ways. And most importantly, who encourages me to pursue being better and living better and growing into my most glowingly brilliant self to sum it up. So yes, alongside all of this this year, I also said yes to marrying the man of my absolute dreams, which feels completely surreal and for which I cannot even quantify my excitement. But it's also brought about this kind of strange duality, um, a bit like what I was saying about giving yourself permission to grieve an estranged parent, but also like the duality of, you know, but can I be happy about this? if I've seen so much darkness, if, if so much has been revealed to me that hasn't been positive, which ultimately I think one of the biggest takeaways is it is positive. All of this is an opening for growth because it's brought about so much healing. But, you know, am I allowed to be happy about what's happening if in light of everything that's happened? And I think there is this duality that I kind of I'm still navigating but giving myself permission to live it, to fully lean into what it is um, that that I'm feeling. I think it's it's amazing that we can look back at a year and see those subtle changes within us and our ways of thinking, of seeing, of being. And I think the end of a year is this is one of the reasons why I love the end of the year and the way a birthday, you know, brings that about in such a, in such a way that you get a chance to look at the bigger picture and kind of almost romanticize your life for what it is, you know, hell, I mean, for where it's going, you know? Um, so this, this has been an interesting thing to navigate. So I'll definitely update you more on that because I think it's, um, it's obviously going to be a big theme unfolding um, for for me over the next um, year and beyond. So if I remember correctly, December 17th last year was when Saturn entered Aquarius, where it remains for the next two and a half years. And this placement points us to karmic lesson. The reason why I'm talking about Saturn is particularly because these are some of the themes that we will be working with for the coming years, thanks to um, Saturn entering Aquarius, which, of course, will majorly impact people who are having their Saturn return in the next two and a half years, um, but or exact in the next two and a half years, but also generally, I think it's important to look at, you know, astrology looks at the past and it looks at patterns. Um, so in Aquarius, Saturn seeks to build innovative social structures. This air sign that is kind of known for intellectual um, rigor and humanitarian effort and thoughtful vision, you know, this kind of this visionary 
of the zodiac, if you will. In Aquarius, Saturn, which is a planet of restriction and limitation, and it kind of shows us that the, the karmic aspect within us all, the karmic limitations almost, if you will, it focuses on the needs of the group. So if we were to bring those two things together, the dynamic of limitations of the groups, um, bringing forth the rules, the regulations, the systems, and change, change on a massive level, change for the collective. So just for context, the last time Saturn was in Aquarius, which was 1999, uh, 1991 to 1993. So anyone who was born between those years is now likely having their Saturn return. Um, apartheid was dismantled. Before that, Saturn was in Aquarius from 62 to 64, just before the Civil Rights Act, which banned school segregation, unemployment discrimination on the basis of race, religion, color, sex, national origin. And it was signed into the law of the United States. And before that, Saturn was also in Aquarius from 32 to 35, which was the Great Depression that I guess had begun in, in 20, uh, 1929. Um, but that saw this kind of rise in unemployment and people going against the system and trying to bring about change. So because Saturn encompasses the general consideration of physical, emotional, mental development, the areas we hold of limited enjoyment of this kind of karmic, if you will, um, this karmic weight that we carry, that limitation. Um, our, it's also our career and our legacy in the life path in general. It's kind of this encompassing of life lessons and the rewards that we reap that either have the potential to bring us wisdom and maturity or wisdom and maturity, maturity through pain. So that's why I'm kind of giving throughout this episode this opposition of negative and positive, although I don't like to classify things as negative or positive um, because it, it's just not as linear, um, if, if you know what I mean. But naturally, I think a lot of these themes play out for most people up until this life milestone. And it's not necessarily a good or a bad thing, but it has to do with enduring change. And as we know, change isn't always comfortable. So oftentimes when we say Saturn return, you know, brought about something terrible or something that can only be described as hitting rock bottom. Well, that's often how change is brought about by making us uncomfortable, by showing us darkness so we can find what we need to light the way forward with. And it's all a catalyst for change that is inevitable, whether good or bad in those very objective terms. So we're now in Sagittarius season. Sagittarius is ruled by Jupiter, mm -hmm. the massive planet of expansion and luck, and rightly so. It really, really allows us to see the bigger picture. December also brings us the solstice, a sacred point in the astrological wheel that indicates that that kind of turning point, that flipping of the leaf. So during December, we also have a series of Saturn-Uranus squares, which is about boundaries versus freedom. We have seen this play out against this, again, this idea of opposition. We've seen this play out in the world stage for the past, well, 18 months and perhaps even in our own lives as well. You know, I'm hearing this almost on a daily basis. People telling me I've never felt such, um, such a divide 
in society, on social media, in the people around me, in the groups that I interact with in my community. And so even in our own lives, as well as, you know, this is where we see themes that may actually come to a head in that in that square, in that square off. We end the year with Jupiter entering Pisces for the next year. It will remain there for most of 2022, which brings about some of these themes that will that we'll all feel, I think, on a collective level, because Jupiter is the largest planet in our solar system, and Pisces is the sign of spirituality and higher consciousness. And since Jupiter is this energetic amplifier, these are some of the themes that will be illuminated for all of us through 2022. So, you know, a lot of people are talking about the awakening, the dismantling, a bit like I used this theme, uh, this, this term earlier, the dismantling of societal structures and sometimes really that darkness that is brought about i think a lot of empaths at the moment are feeling this kind of difficulty in in what a lot of people are telling me i'm feeling really kind of stuck and i find it really hard to go about my life and i find it really hard to exist in the matrix at the moment or you know a matrix is a fun term that a lot of people have been using to describe this um, but really that sort of awakening um is what i think we'll see more of in 2022 that higher consciousness you know moving into the collect collective enlightenment that we've all been working towards and i think so many of us can be proud to say that we've done the inner work and it is now trickling down and of course it's a process and we see the light at the end of the tunnel but we only see it if we are consistent if we allow ourselves to touch the darkness to see to not be afraid of it and to know that we're not losing sight we're not losing sight of what's at the end of the tunnel um separately we have on december 17th the galactic crossing of the sun so the center of our galaxy which is believed to sit at around 27 to 28 degrees of sagittarius um, the solar energy that is sort of traversing, I guess, the, the galaxy is, and it sounds so grandiose, but it really is because the solar energy is the expression, it's our expression of self. And in the expression of Sagittarius, which is the eternal seeker, the, the defier of norms, almost like a little bit of the rebel, um, and I'm speaking from experience here about Sagittarius stelium. It brings us this kind of renewed sense of self, um, a kind of rekindled connection to our soul's purpose, and it even facilitates connection to the divine and to alternate realities, which I've been reading a lot up about. Um, I'm not going to be talking about this um, on, on this particular episode, but I am considering an episode on some of these themes and particularly the starseed concept. Um, let me know, I think, um, if you can, I guess on, on Instagram, if, you, if you're interested in learning more about that. And finally, the full moon on um, December 18th, the solstice, both of which I will um, cover separately on Instagram. Um, TikTok, which I've been doing for the past few months. I was literally the last person on TikTok, um, a bit late to the party. But if you're not following, go and do that because it's always a fun way to get a digest on these cosmic events and energies into a quick video. But also I post a lot of other spiritual content on there. So let's be friends. Overall, I think that's enough of um, for one episode. There's always been, been a bit of an intro into 
um, the new season that I do ever since January of 2020 when we first started. And again, I've said it before, but I'm so endlessly grateful to myself for pushing through and for starting to finding that amazing community to connecting with such incredible guests and learning so much up until this point. And I'm so excited to learn more because truth be told, I am an internal seeker. And that's what makes me the true expression of a Sagittarius. In the works for this new season, starting from January 2022, will be things that we've never talked about before, such as psychedelic therapy. We will talk more in depth about past life regression, astrology. There'll be more on alternative healing and some familiar faces coming on the podcast to talk about brand new and exciting things. And you can expect to hear more from me on here, as well as some guest appearances that I'll be working on. So a lot of exciting things are coming. And I'm really finding that spark that comes with new beginnings. And I'm trying to work on that. I really staying positive and opening my heart to all of it, opening my mind to all this possibility that is in front of me, having left my job, having said yes to marrying the love of my life, and also detaching, I think, from some of these old patterns, these old attachments. And it's all just such a beautiful process that I am embracing. Um, And what can I say when it comes to new beginnings? If there's one thing I've learned to date is that I won't ever be ready or whole in preparation for what life has in store, that I won't have all the answers and that there are no accolades or rewards, if you will, if I do in the face of change, of success or of loss And I've learned that I can surrender and I can let go when true soul evolution is underway and that it's the best way I know how within my human limitation of times, which we all have, and that's fine. And I've learned that I can allow myself as authentically as I can to live and to show up to the best of my ability or to the best of my ability as I know how up until this point with acceptance that all of this can change because I've realized I can exist and I kind of touched on this a little bit so this is a nod to this I realized that I can exist between darkness and light that I can reconcile the two within me never afraid of staying in the dark for as long as it takes to find my torch, to find my way forward. But mostly I I have this renewed sense of urgency almost to move ahead, not knowing what it could bring, but still knowing it's another year. And I really hope you feel the same, that just knowing that there's another year, another trip around the sun, and another chance to find yourself at the end of it, hopefully better than when you started. Lots of love and I can't wait to speak to you really soon.